Good morning. Good morning. I trust that we are all doing well. Amen. Welcome to today's service. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in glory to your speech. Yet in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. Thank you for what you can do and what you will do in today's service. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn your Bibles with me to the book of John. Sorry, the book of First Peter. We were doing John. <laughs> First Peter chapter one. Verses eighteen to nineteen. First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen to nineteen. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. The word knowing is very important. Knowing. You don't just believe. You know, knowing is stronger than belief. It didn't say believing. Knowing. Knowing is stronger than belief. It's good to come to a place of belief, but it's better to come to a place of knowing. All right, let's read. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spots, amen. This morning, I'm ministering on what I've entitled Peter's Encouragement. Peter's Encouragement. By the way, God willing, next week we'll start, we'll resume our series again on the book of John. So let me just give you the heads up and be in prayer and expectation for what God is going to share with us from chapters 18 to 21. Amen. Now, back to my message. Uh, the book of First Peter was written to encourage believers. I don't know if any of you have taken time to read the five chapters of uh, the book of First Peter, but the premise upon which Peter wrote this epistle was to encourage believers. <laughs> when I mentioned the word epistle, I did remember uh, a funny joke. They were asking um, some people, uh, Apostles, who are they married to? And someone said they are married to epistle. Epistle is the female name for apostle. Well, epistle just means a letter, okay? Epistle is not a wife of an apostle, amen. <laughs> just let me just let you know that. All right, so the, the, this epistle was written by Peter, like I said earlier on, to encourage believers. In fact, if these believers were alive, Today, during some of our evangelistic messages, 
they would have been very disappointed. Because somehow when we are preaching the gospel or when we are extending the call of salvation to our unsaved friends and family members, one of the common things that we see, which is not entirely true, is that when you come to Jesus, it spells the end of all your troubles. When you come to Jesus, you will have no more bad days. When you come to Jesus, everything is under your feet. When you come to Jesus, you will live a life of perpetual victory. Like I'm saying, there is some element of truth in it, but it's not the whole truth. For these believers who came to the knowledge of Christ, they experienced a lot of untold hardship. It was a very trying and a very difficult experience for them. And if you read chapter 5, you will see Peter's highlight of the message that I don't know where you got your theology from, but when you suffer and when you find yourself in very bad and unfortunate episodes, don't think that something strange has happened to you. Apostle Peter made them know that, look, let me tell you, don't suffer as a murderer, don't suffer as a busybody, don't suffer as an evil person. But what you also have to know is that when you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, and when you have found this joy of salvation, there is an element of suffering that is attached to the gospel. Now, I'm not saying this for you to have some sort of a doom and gloom countenance that all that you are to expect when you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior is suffering. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm also trying to let you know is that when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior and we join the family of faith, it doesn't alienate us from the experience of suffering. The only difference between a believer and an unbeliever is that our response to suffering can be quite different when we rely on the power of God. When we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, it doesn't mean zero suffering, zero hardship, zero difficulty. We just have enablement, we have empowerment, we have received grace from on high that will help us to experience victory in our times of unfortunate circumstances. And I believe Peter knew this firsthand when it came to encouraging believers in suffering because Jesus once charged Peter when Peter was a disciple in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, that Peter, I saw that Satan wanted to sift you like wheat. I've prayed for you that your faith will fail not. But after you have come out of this, strengthen thy brethren also. So you see, Peter has really taken to this command. He is obeying what Jesus told him, and he is strengthening his brethren who are going through untold hardships and difficult times because of their profession of faith in Christ Jesus.
So we all understand. But when someone goes through it, and when someone is going through a lot of pain and difficulty, what do you do to comfort the person? I believe that all of us as believers, we can take consolation in this chapter because sometimes you might not be the person going through an unfortunate circumstance. It might be someone close to you. It might even be a Christian brother, a Christian sister, you know. Someone may have lost his or her job. Not because they are lazy employees, but because of their faith. Somebody may experience very untold hardship. Maybe a Christian woman, zealous, devout. She went to the labor ward. She miscarried. It's a tough time. You see a believer who may have even had some sort of rough patch in their marriage. What do you say in times of difficulty? What message can you bring to them? But I find it funny that, or even amusing, let me even use the word amusing. I find it amusing that when Peter met his brethren, who were suffering, who were going through it, he rather decided to talk to them about the doctrine of redemption. Interesting. And when I read this scripture outside the context and outside that environment, my question I ask myself is that, Peter, how does this serve as encouragement for believers who are struggling? Shouldn't we rather cry with them? Shouldn't we rather empathize with them? I believe one of the best ways to empathize with people is to share with them the gospel. Because in the gospel, there is hope. That is why when you look at the pieces of armor that Apostle Paul enlisted, one of the, 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 the pieces of armor listed is the shoes of the gospel of hope or the shoes of the gospel of peace. There is hope in the gospel. So when we see people who are suffering and when we see people who are in some sort of complication and we are trying to medicate their pain, let us not soothe them with empty words and vain words. It might bring some ephemeral release, but it will not be permanent. And there is nothing more painful than to think that I have come to a place where I am experiencing healing only to know that this healing, it will evaporate like smoke. If we will want to come to a place where we can be relevant, and God will use us as people who can bring healing to people's pain. We should never forget to include the gospel as part of our package in medicating the pain of our fellow believers who are suffering. And even for you, you may be in a rough patch. You may, you may be in some sort of difficulty. I want to present to you the gospel which has hope for you. The gospel 
which will dry away your tears. The gospel, which will help you to soldier on. The gospel, out of which you will get peace, out of which you will get some sort of uh, uh, resolution and some fortitude to keep soldiering on. The gospel, which will help you to maintain your stance and maintain your confession of faith without dropping the ball. Go to the gospel. Go to the Bible. Go to the source that medicates pain. Many a times when we are going through things, we, the, the sources through which we seek consolation sometimes complicate the pain. Instead of going to the gospel, we go to our friends. And sometimes our friends, they might not even be in that mood. They might not even be in the correct settings to be able to give you that motivation that will prep you up to keep going. Sometimes we look at certain celebrities, certain talk shows, certain pep talks. And, and in as much that those things might be able to motivate you from a carnal point of view, you realize that you are not going to last long just on empty words of motivation. And if you are going through any pain, any situation, I recommend the gospel to you, which will be able to bring you hope. When Peter realized that his fellow brethren who are in, in different regions of Asia, who are struggling and who are suffering just because they have professed Christ, he referred them to the gospel. Amen. And in verse 18 to 19, what he spoke to them about was about redemption. And Peter talked about four important truths that we read in this scripture. He spoke to them that you have been redeemed. You have to know. I know you are going through tough times, but I want to bring to your knowing, I want to bring to your remembrance that you have been redeemed. And redeemed during Peter's time, it wasn't really a biblical term. It was a, long, it was a word that was used every day, especially during the climate of slavery. It means to buy back. So Peter was letting them know from a spiritual connotation that we who were once created in the image of God, whose earthly father was Adam, and because of Adam's sin, polluted us and made us slaves to sin and made us captives of the devil. In this spiritual sense, you have been bought back. You have been redeemed. It's very important for us to understand redemption. Because when we come to understand redemption, redemption helps us to understand how precious we are in the sight of God, how valuable we are in the sight of God. And, and, and most times, when we go through crashing situations, the crash is there to crash your worth and make you worthless. The crash sometimes is there. It serves to 
attack your value to the point that you will feel valueless. So when Peter presents to them the gospel of redemption, he is raising up their worth one more time. He is raising up their value one more time. That I know that you might be going through hard times. You might be going through the thick of it. But I came to encourage you, and this is Peter talking, that Christ bought you. He bought you back from the enemy. He thought of you, and he bought you with such an expensive commodity. And he paid you at such a hefty price. I know you might be going through situations that are hard, that you might even feel like I have to commit suicide. But it is very important to know that you serve a living God who has not become quiet over your situation. Because if you think he has become quiet over your situation, let me refer you back to his practice that took place on the cross of Calvary. He bought you because he saw that you are of high worth. You are valuable. You are not worthless. Do not allow any situation, do not allow any hard times that you are going through to make you feel worthless, to diminish your value. Because Christ did not just come to pay for us just because we were worthless people. He came to die and he came to pay for our sins through the doctrine of redemption because he saw some worth in us. He saw some value in us. Peter reminded them, you have to come to a place and know that you have been redeemed. The second thing that Peter wanted them to know is that you have been redeemed not with corruptible things. That makes it more precious. Because during the Jewish time, redemption took place on the currency of gold and silver. That's what was used. Slave markets were very common. If they want to redeem someone, it's true silver and gold. Pieces of gold, pieces of silver. That determines whether you are free. Peter is saying that this redemption, it didn't happen on the price of gold. It didn't happen on the price of silver. These things are corruptible. You have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. Understand that you have changed addresses. You know, redemption also meant that you changed the address. When you are bought, you are bought from your physical location to a different location. It's a change of address. Redemption also meant it's a change of family. Your family changes. And when your family changes, one of the things that happens is that the surname of the new family that has bought you is being put on you. We have been redeemed. I don't know what you are going through. But remember Peter's encouragement this morning to us. 
even though he is not alive, this scripture is still speaking to us that we have been redeemed. Our family has changed in the realm of the spirit. Our destiny has changed in the realm of the spirit. Our destiny, destination has changed in the realm of the spirit. We who were once known as children of wrath, it has changed from now becoming sons of God who will spend eternity with our father in the days to come and after the end of this age has ended. We have a bright destiny. Therefore, if you want to know your destiny, it's not about knowing your star. I see that too many people have become too fixated with stars. I'm a Libra, I'm a Scorpio, I'm, I'm whatever, I'm a Capricorn. Your, your, your destiny is that you will reign and rule with Christ. That is your destiny. That should be your star. My star is that I am part of the morning star. That's Jesus. He's also known as the bright and the morning star. That's my star. I'm not going to just limit myself to Scorpio and Sarge and, and Capricorn and Libra. And I don't know why people have become so fixated with these kind of things. But know that when redemption had its effects in your life as a believer, your destiny changed, your destination changed, your family changed. And this is something that you and I should take so listen. Redemption. Peter is saying, don't just believe it. You have to know. Come to the know of redemption. Come to the know of this doctrine that has changed the trajectory of us as people who receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. Why do I say it's changed the trajectory? It's changed the trajectory because now we are no longer appointed to hell because of the wrath of God. We are appointed to spend eternity in joy and in bliss until infinity. We, it has no end. It has no beginning. Why? Because of redemption. And Peter is making them know by this, the, the second thing that he wants them to know is that this doctrine has taken place not on the currency of gold and silver because it's corruptible. It's corruptible. I believe that Peter was saying this just to lift up their self-esteem. Peter was saying this just to lift up their self-image. Because one of the things that problems, troubles, difficulties, hardships will do to you is that it affects your self-image. And when the devil is able to use these vehicles to be able to affect your self-image, you are finished. He's had you. He's had you. And today, you and I, we are never going to allow ourselves to become victims of the devil anymore. Because even in our trying times, we believe that we are of worth. 
Even in troubled times, we believe we are of value. Even in troubled times, we believe that problems, no matter how bad and how difficult and how uncomfortable they are, they still will not have any bearing on our self-image. Why? Because Christ redeemed us. And we have to know that. And I like that the act of redemption or the process of redemption, it didn't happen on the currency of corruptible things like gold and silver. The third thing that Peter talked about was that this doctrine of redemption is different from the redemption you know. Because if you were a slave and you had habits, yes, your family may change, your physical location may change, but your habits will not change. So you can be bought from Egypt. Your physical location of Egypt will change. You may be bought from an Egyptian family. Your Egyptian family will change depending on which family you will now join to, which you will legally adopt their name. But your habits as an Egyptian will not change. That's ingrained in you. And that is something that the new family will have to learn how to accommodate with and live with. Habits don't change. Behaviors don't change. You don't change those things. Behaviors and habits, one of the factors that influences them is environments. Another factor is parents or family. Those things don't change. Another factor is friends. Another factor is things that you've read, things that you've watched. Those things don't break. So you can change the physical location of somebody. You can change the family of somebody. But the ingrained habits and behavior that forms his character, that never changes. So if you are buying that person, you are buying that person in hopes of learning how to live with him, not to change him into a brand new person. It doesn't work like that. Human beings are are not like houses you can renovate. It doesn't work that way. Every human being is in the assets department. What you see is what you get. And sometimes if we can understand that about marriage, most of our marriages will work. You see, you are trying to change something that cannot be changed. It's the assets department, as is. You know the assets department? You see the same shirts that is sold maybe in Macy's for $400. You go to a cheap store, you see the same shirt for $40. But this, when you buy it, there is no refund. You can't bring it back. It's not a, it doesn't have a, a, a good store policy. It's the as is. If you buy it and if you take it home, by the time you open the package, you will know what is really wrong with that shirt 
why it is $40 instead of $400. We are in the assets department. But thank God for the doctrine of redemption. The doctrine of redemption actually made us brand new. Physical redemption, it didn't have a bearing or a touch on the character of a person. But this spiritual redemption, it redeemed us from the aimless conduct that we receive by tradition of our fathers. That's why when you become a believer, quit believing certain things that holds as truth. Because when you were redeemed, you weren't just redeemed from the camp of the enemy. You were not just redeemed and assigned a new family. The character that shaped you, you have also been redeemed from that. And it has no hold on you. That is why as a believer in Christ, I have every biblical ground and every biblical reason not to believe in generational curses. Because the Bible lets me know that I have been redeemed from aimless conduct that comes from tradition. Do you know what is tradition? It means the cycle continues unchallenged. It means the cycle continues unabated. That is tradition. Anything that keeps going on without little resistance, without little opposition, is a tradition. But thanks be to God that when the redemption of Christ took place, oh, thank you, Lord, we were redeemed from aimless conducts that we have received by tradition of our fathers. So certain character, character traits that can be traced back, maybe in your bloodline, father, mother's line, wherever, it shouldn't be able to have a hold on you because of the force, because of the power, because of the doctrine of redemption. Who told you you have to smoke because your dad is a chain smoker? Who told you you have to be attracted to same sex because you see traces of that in your family? Thank God for the doctrine of redemption. Sometimes too, we go through problems because of repeated patterns. And sometimes we have to come to the knowledge that we have been redeemed to break that hold. And when that hold is broken, certain troubles, certain temptations, certain difficulties will cease. Some are struggling, not because of the profession of their faith, but because of repeated patterns. Maybe you can see traces of that in your father's bloodline. You can see traces of that in your mother's bloodline. This is where Peter's encouragement rings true. You have been redeemed from aimless conduct that comes from tradition of fathers. Refuse to bow to the bloodline. 
Refuse to bow to generational curses. Don't let anybody come and scare you that you are cursed and you need to pay money and you need to do certain things at the altar. You have to understand the doctrine, the force, and the power of redemption. Jesus did not just change us from our family. Jesus did not just assign us a new location, but Jesus in his mercy has also broken the chains of aimless conduct that will hold because of tradition of our fathers. Therefore, I don't have to succumb to any faulty DNA because of my lineage. If everybody in my family is dying before age 50 because of diabetes, it doesn't mean I should die at age 50 because of diabetes. Because the scripture lets me know that I have been redeemed from aimless conduct that comes from tradition of fathers. End of story. If my father's bloodline, if everybody had a failed marriage, it doesn't mean I have to have a failed marriage. Why? Because I have been redeemed from aimless conduct that comes from tradition of fathers. If everybody is quick-tempered, it doesn't mean that I have to be quick-tempered because I have been redeemed from aimless conduct that comes from tradition of fathers. If I come from a family where everybody has been broke, nobody has seen $1,000 even in their bank account. It doesn't mean I have to continue in that trend. It doesn't mean I have to toe that line. Why? Because I have been redeemed from aimless conduct that comes from tradition of fathers. And I need to know. I don't just have to believe. I have to know. You have to come to the know. Today, what I'm telling you, it is bigger than belief. Thank God for belief. But you have your, 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 your knowledge of redemption has to graduate from belief to knowing because when you know it, then you will begin to live it. You have to live it. You have to walk like the redeemed. Peter is saying that I know you are going through trouble times, but what will help you is to live redeemed. Live like you are redeemed in trouble times. Live like you are redeemed in times of persecution. Live like you are redeemed in times of difficulty and hardship. Because when you live like you are redeemed, then you will be able to have the upper hand in every unfortunate situation in your life. Peter now ends on this. What we have been redeemed with or what we have been redeemed by. And we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. That blood is still speaking. Jesus' blood is different from any blood. Jesus' blood cannot be contained in any blood bank of this world. Your blood as good as it may be for transfusion, after 42 days, it has to be thrown away. Every 42 days, they throw blood away. Do you know that blood after 42 days is not good? After 42 days, blood is not good. You can't use blood after 42 days. You have to throw it away. 
Blood expires after 42 days. But thanks be to God that this blood that was shed some 2,000 years ago, it is still speaking. This is why Apostle Peter is letting us know about the doctrine of redemption. We have been redeemed not by corruptible things of gold or silver. We have been redeemed not by a human being's blood that can expire after 42 days, but we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. We have been redeemed. We have been bought back from the camp of the enemy. We have been bought back and we have been assigned a new identity. We have been assigned a new family. We've been assigned a new destiny. We've been assigned a new destination. We have been redeemed and we have been assigned a new conduct so that we will not continue in the aimless conduct that we have received as tradition from our fathers. That is why Apostle Peter is so bold to preach to people who are suffering that I need to bring you back into remembrance of the doctrine of redemption. And I don't know what you may be going through here right now, or maybe you know someone that is struggling. Today, if you know someone that is struggling, like Peter, in the same spirit, let them know who they are. Let them know their worth once again. Let their value rise as you talk to them about how Christ had them on their mind and he paid for their release with his own blood so that they will be able to spend eternity with him. It is not over until it's over. Someone needs to lift up his head one more time, but the person will lift up his head one more time because of the doctrine of redemption. Thank you, Lord. Five minutes to close. Lift up your hands and pray. Lift up your hands and pray. Five minutes to close. Lift up your hands and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Peter's encouragement. Oh, Lord, may we be encouraged if we are going through any at times, if you are going through the thick of it, maybe encourage. If we know somebody too, who is discouraged and who is going through it, may we rise up in that same spirit of Peter and may we make known to them the gospel which holds the peace of God, the doctrine of redemption. Thank you that we know our worth, we know our value. Thank you that our self image and our self-esteem has been boosted because of the doctrine of redemption. Thank you that we will not succumb to the pressure of the enemy to throw in the towel. Thank you. We give you praise. We receive your word with thanksgiving, O oh Lord. We receive your word. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take communion now.